On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the first non-Tesla employees get their invitations to configure their Model 3s in the design studio. I've got some pre-delivery suggestions for you soon-to-be Model 3 owners, follow-ups on both the Tesla Roadster and the Semi, and much more. Happy holidays, friends. I am Ryan McCaffrey, and this is Ride the Lightning, the unofficial Tesla podcast for November 26th, 2017. It's episode number 121, which uh, I should note is a palindrome. I'm always fascinated by palindromes for some reason. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I am coming to you from vacation. I've got one more day uh, here before heading home tomorrow. Wanted to make sure to get the show out uh, on time, so making sure to get this done. But uh, yeah, by the way, if you're and if you're thinking, ah, this the show sounds just a little different, but yet familiar, it's because uh, I don't have my giant fancy mic from home. I'm using the old handheld uh, recorder with a with a plug-in lav mic, which uh, which is how I always used to do the show up until <laughs> up until September there. So uh, that is, if you're hearing something a, a touch different in the sound quality and sort of the the sound level, that is where that's coming from. But I want to wish a happy Thanksgiving and happy holidays to all of the USA listeners out there. And, you know, I had, I had come prepared this week thinking, oh, man, it, it might be a slow news week. You know, the, the Roadster and Semi-Reveal just happened. It's Thanksgiving, short week. You know, there's not going to be a lot of business, a lot of things going on. Uh, that couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> it's been a busy week of Tesla news. There is a lot to discuss uh, and before I get started, I just want to send a quick shout out to, uh, I ran into a, a fan, uh, a listener of the show here on vacation. So I want to spend, send a special shout out to Jeff from Kentucky, who uh, I ran into here at the place I'm staying, along with his lovely wife, Kim. It was extraordinarily great to meet you, Jeff, uh, and Kim as well. And uh, thanks so much for saying hi and for listening to the show in your Model S. All right, let's get started. Uh, The first and biggest news item this week is undoubtedly the fact that the first non-Tesla employee Model 3 invitations are going out to configure the cars. I've heard from uh, a number of listeners to this podcast. It's all over uh, the forums and and the news sites. It is happening. Those invitations are going out. Uh, They are... those. Folks are are in the November to January window, but most of them in this first wave anyway, this first sort of, let's call it public wave, are being given a delivery estimation of mid-December. So about a four-week turnaround from configuration to delivery, which is quicker than you get on a custom-designed Model S and Model X. Those tend to be six to eight weeks. Now, what I can tell you about this is that there are no options pricing yet for dual motor there is instead only a hold my place button for dual motor or standard battery if you want one of those so uh, that's the button i'll be hitting and uh, that's gonna that's gonna hurt a little bit (laughs) i'm not gonna lie whenever my invite comes in and i click that hold my place button that's gonna sting a little bit but i know of course you know i've i am i am staying firm in my resolve to hold out for uh, dual motor 
as well as uh, I need that. I want that air suspension for my weird, funky, angled uh, driveway as well. But the other thing that's not in there right now, you'll recall that the ultra white interior option was uh, given a fall 2017 de- uh, deadline to to make it into the design studio and an estimate for when that would be available. Well, it's it is fall. It's very much fall. We've got a month to go in fall uh, on an official calendar basis. No sign of that white interior option just yet. So these first invitations that are going out, those folks have to select the black premium interior option. So no white uh, option just yet. And the, the thing that uh, I thought was, was interesting, actually my wife posed this question. We were out for a walk and I was telling her about this, how the, the first wave went out. And she raised what I thought was a good question. She said, well, what if you change your mind after you hit the hold my place button? Can you jump back in for a relatively quick build and delivery? Or, you know, I, I'm very curious how that's going to work and there are no answers to that particular question as of now. Um, so I, I, uh, I imagine Tesla has to have thought about that, but then again, they also have so many cars they need to get out that uh, I, could, I could see them you know, not making your return to the line a huge priority should you elect to actually hold my place. But if anybody happens to push that button and then... If you can go back in and check, I would love it if you would write me or call me uh, and, and tell me if there's, if there's an option to say, okay, I want to go ahead and, and order my car now. And if, it, and if you do have that option, what, the, what any details that are, are specified there are. Now, while we're on the subject of Model 3, since uh, I've been keeping this topic in my pocket for a, for a rainy day, and I thought this week would be that rainy day. Again, with, with the holiday, I thought things might be slow. This could be a good time to bring this up. And of course, it is anything but slow. But in any case, it still uh, works out because with those first wave of, uh, of invitations going out, I thought it would be good to bring up... I've been, I've been sketching out a Model 3 pre-delivery checklist that I thought I would share with all of you. Things to consider. You know, n- none of this is anything you have to do other than some sort of charging, which I'm going to talk about in a second. But, you know, just some things that if, like me, this is going to be uh, the, the biggest investment you've ever made in a car or you just are super passionate about the Model 3, which I suspect you are from listening to this podcast, just some things to think about that you might want to, uh, to add on to your Model 3 experience to protect it, to beautify it, to make it better. And so let's start with charging. Tesla recommends a NEMA 1450 outlet, which, which uh, again, I, your mileage may vary as far as the cost of installation based on where you live, based on where your electrical panel is, based on, and, and uh, relative to that, how far from the electrical panel that you need to install the charging outlet. Uh, I lucked out, mine, my panel is right at the right uh, pardon me, is right at the uh, rear left taillight of pulling a car in forward. So I, I literally could just put it right there, right at the panel, no problem. So I was able to get mine done uh, from an ele- by an electrician for $300. Uh, your mileage, again, may wildly vary on that. Uh, and I should note, too, uh, 
I, I certainly can't tell you not to try it yourself, but you know, it's, it's uh, electricity, it's dangerous. It's probably, I would certainly recommend you contact an electrician for this, but a NEMA 1450 outlet uh, will, will get the job done. That's going to charge your Model 3, or any other Tesla, obviously, at about 30 miles of range per hour, which means if, you get the, if you're getting the long-range battery pack, that means if you, if you pulled into your garage on fumes, or I suppose the more electric vehicle-friendly version of that would be, if you pulled into your garage on sparks, <laughs> you'd, you'd need a 10-hour charge. So by the time you plug in, you roll in at night, plug in, and basically by the time you're up the next morning, you've got a full charge and you are ready to go. So a NEMA 1450 outlet is going to take care of uh, most, most of your needs, but you might also want to go ahead and pick up uh, the high power wall connector. If you are going to need to be charging at a higher rate, you know, you're going to be needed doing, be doing shorter turnarounds from when you plug in to when you hit the road. Remember those are $500 through Tesla and it's, that'll either get you an eight foot cable attached to it or a 24 foot cable. And it's uh, also worth reminding you too, uh, if you, if you do want to have a nice, uh, sort of a, a cable hung up nicely on your garage wall and not have to take it in and out of your trunk or frunk every single time, there is a $25 uh, Tesla sort of mounting piece uh, that the Tesla sells. Or you could probably pay less than that if you just got one for a, like for a garden hose. That would get the job done as well. So something to consider there on... on uh, both installing your charging situation and sort of keeping it clean and beautiful. The next thing I wanted to mention is paint protection film. This has been something that I've been researching for a while. I've had my eye on. I think I've said on the podcast before, I actually have a 3M uh, clear film on my current car, my 2006 G35 Coupe. Back then, you know, the technology has evolved and, and gotten a lot better in that time. Mine has held up reasonably well. Uh, again, they don't even, I don't even know if 3M's making anything anymore. The two major ones now that most of the, the reputable, awesome detailers use is either Xpel, which is spelled X-P-E-L, it's spelled very phonetically, or Suntech, S-U-N-T-E-K. Those are the two. Now, the differences between them are mostly personal preference in the in the way the light reflects off of them and the way the sort of paint will show through them. So uh, I would speak to a local detailer. Uh, for, that's actually a good thing to add to the checklist too, is if you are considering any of this, it, it is research local detailers in your area. I would start with Yelp. Uh, Yelp's a pretty good way to go. Then you can find uh, you know, user reviews, with, usually with lots of pictures as well, and you can, you can dive deeper from there. But um, yeah, but with my film on my G35, I'm really glad I got it because I've taken a whole lot of rocks over the almost 12 years that I've been driving that car. And by the way, I've been driving it solely in Northern California with the exception of a couple of road trips to Arizona uh, over the holidays back before, back when I was divorced and it was just me and Maggie. Uh, we would drive to Arizona to be with my family over the holidays. So, uh, and to, so my point of saying that is, even though I'm just driving around in Northern California, I've got so many rock chips. <laughs> and not on the film part. The film protects it. 
But my huge regret, major regret, is not doing the entire hood. Because back then the sort of, you could do the whole hood, but it was a lot more expensive. And the sort of default installation was, well, you just do sort of the nose, which is uh, you know the, the, the front fascia of the car and about a third, quarter to a third of the way up the hood. And that is a, I have a big regret. I wish I'd spent the money, done the entire hood, because I have so many rock chips up higher up on the hood in unprotected areas. Uh, I've had them, you know, filled in with touch-up paint by, by the dealer over the years, but it's still, yeah, I can see it. It looks, I, I'm, you know, it doesn't look bad, but I can see it. And that's all that matters, you know? So I would highly recommend that if you are going to do something in the paint protection department, paint pr- the PPF, paint protection film, please seriously consider doing at least the entire hood and front fenders of the car. Because if I look at my Infinity, there are only a couple of chips and flaws in the paint uh, that have that have that it's sustained over the years past those areas. You know, the doors, the rear quarter panels, certainly the roof, the trunk top. Uh, but but boy, the the front, the whole front end of the car, definitely worth considering there. Uh, on a similar note, window tinting. Now. Uh, the good news is our Teslas, our future Teslas, have climate control remotely through the, the Tesla app on our smartphones. However, the, what tinting will do is not only uh, reduce the energy required to cool the car in a, in a warm situation, but you know you, we're not dealing with leather. It is the synthetic, but nevertheless, it's, it's good to keep the direct sunlight off of, off of those interior materials wherever possible. So again, the, the good news is the same odds are that if you find a great detailer uh, regarding paint protection film, that same detailer will probably be able to help you out with a, a really good uh, window tinting f- uh, film as well. In my, again, 2006, rewinding 12 years, uh, or 11 years, I guess at this point, almost 12, is, uh, it was ceramic tint. Uh, was was the thing, and I think there's something even better than that now, that's uh, that that deflects, you know, gets rid of even more heat. Uh, so do look into window tinting, and that and that really applies to pretty much any climate. It's not necessarily just warm weather places. Next on my pre-delivery checklist for you would be uh, checking for any rebates or credits with your utility company for installing a charger. Now maybe I'm just talking to California folks here but it's worth looking into because California with PG&E, there is a, I've mentioned this on the show before, there is a, uh, uh, Michael from Milbrae had been the one that actually gave me the heads up on this and it is still active. California has a $500 bill credit for your PG&E bill just for installing a charger. You need to give them the VIN number of the car. So uh, do look into that with your local utility company. And on a similar note, you should, uh, I also recommend investigating an electric vehicle rate plan that your local utility company may have, uh, which typically tend to be, you know, California does have one with PG&E, but typically that's going to be uh, a bit of a higher, slightly higher rate during the day, but a much lower rate overnight when you, and you can schedule your Tesla to charge during those off-peak hours when the, the uh, electricity rates are at their lowest. Finally, a couple more things here that I want to mention. 
Uh, number one, car cleaning materials. Uh, you're going to want to take good care of it. You're going to want to clean it. You're going to want to clean it the right way. This is one that I'm going to be learning for the first time. I, Google the two-bucket method. That is sort of the in the uh, higher-end exotic car world uh, where people you know want to take very, very good care of their cars without damaging the paint in any way. The two-bucket method is a, is a well-regarded way to clean your car that will... Uh, prevent any swirls or scratches, uh, or at least, if not prevent, severely, severely restrict. So uh, that's something to look into as well. And finally, the last thing I wanted to mention here is a bumper bully. Uh, There are different brands of this. Bumper bully is the one I have. Um, They all probably work exactly the same. The bumper bully that I have was like $50 or $60. And it is a, uh, a rubber big rubber mat basically with velcro straps that go in the tr- go in uh, and attach on the the floor of your tr- trunk and then you close the trunk and it it is the a big rubber mat that hangs over the back of the car and protects your bumper in case anybody taps it while they are maybe parallel parking behind you that uh again this that really may not be a, of too much value to a lot of you uh suburban folks but those of you in cities, again, any time, if you live in an area with parallel parking, this is a really good investment. Because it just then, I, uh, my G35 got scratched and damaged from, from uh, nasty people who, who damaged my, the back of my car and never left a note or anything. And uh, I finally was able to, I caught someone red-handed doing it. And was able to get it all done through the, the uh, through his insurance, the other guy's insurance. Got it repainted, got it all nice, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy a bumper bully right now uh, to not only protect this for the remainder of the time I own it, but then I can apply that. Meaning, meaning I can just take the bumper bully out and throw it right in the Model 3's trunk. You know, in the 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 car side of it, the side that sits against your paint is all uh, has materials, you know, soft materials that. Are, uh, we'll make sure not to scratch the car. So can't recommend that enough because it's a really cheap, uh, easy way to protect your car. Again, you know, you park, you pull it out, you know, you just, you basically unfurl it out of your trunk, close the trunk, walk away, and then when you come back to your car, you just pop your trunk open, throw the bumper bully back in, and you're on your way. So uh, just again, you know, if you've got any suggestions, again, please feel free to write or call in anytime for things that uh, that folks should be should be uh, keeping an ear or eye out for uh, and having, you know, getting ready for prior to their Tesla delivery. But those are the things I thought uh, would be good to think about if uh, in anticipation of your Model 3. Okay, let me move on here first for the Roadster. I've got a couple follow-ups here. The next generation Tesla Roadster, the 2020 Tesla Roadster. Elon Musk clarifying on Twitter that that in- incredible zero to 60 time of 1.9 seconds is on the base model. That's $200,000. The base model, he says, quote, should clarify that this is the base model performance, he said. There will be a special option package that takes it to the next level. Dude, <laughs> so what, where, what, what is, where are we going? How, that's, I can't even fathom that. I mean, now the original Roadster, 
The first version was 0 to 60 in 3.9 seconds. And then the Roadster Sport, which was uh, an option package added a little later, brought it down to 3.7 seconds uh, with, with a little tweak to the, the uh, motor. So I, we'll see where we're going, how far, how far past 1.9 we're going. You know, is it going to be 1.7, 1, 1.6, 1, 1, 1.5? I don't know, but uh, and is that going to involve stickier tires maybe in that option package? We shall see. But I, I, uh, my first guess as to how they'll achieve that other than maybe some stickier tires, but they're going to need, you know, they're going to need to output more power. Fourth motor. You know, the, the car has three motors by default, one for the front wheels and one each for the rear wheels. So uh, that is my first guess, is that there is going to be a motor for each of the four wheels on the, let's just call it a sport version, for lack of a better term right now. I mean, I, I doubt that there are going to be any uh, Inconel fuses or other hardware tricks like we saw used on the P100D that, that they're not already going to be applying to the base car. Uh, and on a semi-related follow-up to this, a, I want to note a, a reaction tweet of mine following the event that Thursday night. It went semi-viral. A couple thousand retweets, five or six thousand likes. And my point of bringing that up is, is the reaction because what you get when that happens, when, it, when a tweet sort of goes slightly viral like that, is that a lot of people, you get a lot of people replying to it who aren't your normal followers. They're not your normal circle. You know, they don't know me. They're not necessarily even Tesla fans. They might have just clicked on the trending topic and my thing came up and they reacted to it. So the Roadster that night was a trending topic. My tweet got sucked up into the trend and folks respond. And what I learned that I just wanted to share was that many people literally, and I'm not, not no joke here, Many people literally do not believe that the next generation Tesla Roadster is real. They think that Tesla and Elon are either lying or pulling some kind of trick. I kid you not. They, they, the 1.9 seconds, the specs of the car are so incredible that people genuine, there are people out there that genuinely don't believe it. So I, it was just interesting to me to see the perspectives of some of those people who who are way, way outside of the Tesla owner or Tesla fan circle that, that you and I share here on this podcast and in the Tesla community. So uh, go figure there. On the topic of the next generation Tesla Roadster, I wanted to take a call. We've got, I've got a lot of calls queued up, by the way, in the Ride the Lightning hotline coming up later. But first, a, a uh, sampler on, on this topic comes to us from Lorenzo in the Bay Area, a longtime listener. He has a reaction and a question about the next-gen Tesla Roadster. So, Lorenzo, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is Lorenzo from the Bay Area, longtime listener of the show. So I've uh, listened to, I've watched the, um, um, the live stream um, for the Tesla Semi uh, and with the surprise at the end with the Roadster. And wow, uh, that was just amazing. Uh, what a game changer this is. Um, so my question um, to you and all other listeners out there, um, so the Roadster has a 200 kilowatt hour battery pack. And um, 
So my question is, knowing that the Roadster has a smaller footprint compared to any other Teslas, uh, Model S, Model X, and Model 3. So I'm uh, wondering if it will be possible in the future to have um, an upgrade, um, a battery upgrade for the other vehicles, meaning, you know, if uh, if it's possible to have a Model S, Model X, or Model 3 with a bigger um, battery pack. Um, so uh, I'll look forward to hearing your thoughts on this. Uh, thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for the call, Lorenzo. Now, the proper answer to this is most definitely, I don't know. <laughs> but please allow me to constructively speculate for a moment. You heard my theory, uh, and truly, that's all it is. Though, uh, I, I see that Fred from Electrek, who I have a lot of respect for, he came to the same thought I did. That the 200 kilowatt hour pack is actually two 100 kilowatt hour packs stacked on top of each other in the new Roadster. If that theory is true, and that's obviously a big if, then I seriously doubt we're going to be able to double the capacity of our quote-unquote normal Teslas via a pack upgrade, simply because the, the S, the X, and the 3 are not designed to have a multi-layer battery pack. That being said, even if I'm right about that, Elon has previously said that pack upgrades will be possible at some point down the road, but I think it'd be more of a traditional, less drastic route. Like, for instance, if you get the long-range Model 3 that's good for 310 miles, then maybe in two, three, four years from now, there might be a 400-mile pack that you could drop in there if you really, really wanted to. Thank you for the call, Lorenzo. Uh, moving on, still on the topic of the Roadster. And this is, this is something that I realized I didn't discuss at all last week, and that's the interior of the next-gen Roadster. We didn't really get a good look at it that night, and as you'll recall, I recorded the show right after the event that night. But it turns out the interior of this car is very much worth discussing because, I'll put it this way, if you were disappointed in the Model 3 interior at all, uh, specifically relative to Elon's comments in April of 2016 after the initial unveiling pertaining to the car. You know, remember Elon talked about the car having spaceship controls? Then you're probably going to be happy with the Roadster where you may have been disappointed with the Model 3 because the interior of this car, at least in its prototype form, has a curved glass 17-inch touchscreen that looks incredible. It looks amazing. You've got to look it up online if you haven't seen it yet. Also, uh, it's got carbon fiber everywhere, as you'd probably expect. And then the steering wheel. The steering wheel of the next-gen Roadster, which uh, I watched, again, I told you, I watched a few of the, uh, the test drive, test ride videos that, that folks that attended the event made. And, and uh, you know, you can never take it as 100% gospel, but the, the driver of the car in, in, on camera in one of the videos, the, the uh, rider asked, hey, are, are you going to be shipping with the steering wheel? And the guy said, yes, that is the intention. And the steering wheel, I hate to keep bringing up <laughs> Knight Rider, uh, but I love Knight Rider, and Elon is, uh, seems to be evoking it uh, at a number of turns. 
but the car has, it, it's a Knight Rider steering wheel. It is a yoke. It is a straight up, you know, there, there's no 10 and two. It is only nine and three. Those are the only ways to hold the steering wheel in this car. And, uh, and presumably that's on purpose because the car is so, so powerful that Tesla probably need for safe, straight safety reasons needs to keep people's hands in the safest driving position. And one way to do that is to not give them any other driving positions except the safest one, which is nine and three. Um, but man, I, uh, I just, that car is going to be a literal thrill ride. And man, I, if I get lucky enough one day to ride in it, that's that's going to be a treat. I cannot wait for that day. But the Roadster stealing the hearts and minds, stealing the semi-reveal event, which I'm sure Elon expected and probably planned for. And it got more people to pay attention to the semi. And on the topic of the semi, I've got a follow-up there. I wanted to mention that uh, Tesla has already received a number of orders for the Tesla semi. A lot of public confirmations and who knows how many other companies and businesses may have placed an order just without any public fanfare? Tesla did come out and say that the expected price of the semi is expected to be between $150,000 and $200,000, which is a lot lower than many people, uh, many experts were forecasting. The probably most high profile client thus far is Walmart. Walmart has ordered 15 Tesla semis and they issued a statement saying, quote, we believe we can learn how this technology performs within our supply chain, as well as how it could help us meet some of our long-term sustainability goals, such as lowering emissions, end quote. They uh, go on to add that five of those 15 Tesla semis are going to be used in the USA. 10 of them will be heading up to Canada. Meanwhile, uh, Meyer, which is a Michigan grocery chain, they've got four uh, Tesla semis coming, and they issued a statement saying, quote, Meyer has always prided itself on being innovative, especially in our fleet and supply chain. We have made a small financial commitment to ensure we are at the front of the line to test this new Tesla truck technology, which has the potential to not only reduce our carbon footprint, but also realize cost savings that will allow us to keep prices low for our customers. Once our testing is complete, we will validate several factors, including environmental impact and product safety, and make a decision on whether we will complete the purchase. Also, Canadian grocery giant Loblaws, hope I'm pronouncing that right, they ordered 25 Tesla semis. J.B. Hunt, which is a freight company, has an undetermined number of Tesla semis in their shopping cart. J.K. Moving Services is getting four with their founder and president Chuck Kuhn saying, quote, it's standard operating procedure to get a factory tour, Tesla or diesel, ahead of committing to spend what could be well over a million for our new trucks. But Kuhn said none of the other factories compared to what we saw out of Tesla. And then uh, South- uh, Electric, by the way, reports several other companies have unknown quantities of orders in too. The one other thing I wanted to add here, it's fair to raise the question of where is Tesla going to build the semi-trucks? 
I would think that the Roadster could probably be handled in Fremont because production is probably going to be fairly limited just given the price of the thing. Elon recently said, you'll recall, that Fremont, the Tesla factory, is just about at maximum capacity between the S, the X, and the 3. Model Y, in Elon's own words, as you may recall, he said will require a new factory. So I would suspect the Semi has got its own very, very unique production situation, that, and that may require dedicated space as well. In fact, I'm just going to wildly speculate, just uh, th- thinking out loud, maybe this makes sense. But given the battery size, given the amount of battery that's going to need to go into the Semi, and the fact that we know it's, it's using four Model 3 motors, wouldn't it make sense for the semis to be actually manufactured at the Gigafactory? Because all the, each semi needs so much battery, and you're, right, you're mining it, you're producing it right there at the Gigafactory. The motors, by the way, remember the Model 3 motors, they're made at the Gigafactory as well. So uh, it could make a lot of sense to just go ahead and produce the semis in Nevada. It's in Sparks at the Gigafactory. So we shall see about that. Now, while we're talking semi-truck, I had asked for my small handful of, uh, the, of, of folks in the semi-trucking industry to call in with their reactions to the Tesla Semi, and one of you has kindly heeded the call. Eric in Australia, who we've heard from before, he is in the semi-truck business. Let's hear his reactions to the Tesla Semi. Eric, take it away. Thank you, Ryan. This is Eric living in Australia. As usual, it was a pleasure to listen to your Ride the Lightning podcast, and last week was one of the best. What an awesome event. Totally loved the Tesla Semi and the Gen 2 Roadster reveal. First of all, to your question, the new Roadster or the Semi? This is no-brainer. Happily take the Semi. You asked for reactions to the event, and I must say that for me, the biggest and only unexpected news was the windscreen. This is an amazing and incredibly important design detail that just gives you peace of mind behind the wheel. When on the road, stones frequently are flung up and hit the windscreen, and when you hear that sound, you immediately tense up and start inspecting the windscreen. Was it a chip, a crack, or nothing to worry about? I once had a tree branch hit the windscreen on a stormy day whilst driving on the freeway. I was sure the windscreen cracked and stopped to inspect. Nothing. Next morning when I got into my truck, the windscreen was cracked from edge to edge. The cold overnight must have caused some minute movement in the glass and the invisible impact of the brands was now very evident. Of course, you cannot drive. The truck is deemed unroadworthy, as would be the case in a car too. And most responsible drivers are not going to risk their license by driving an unroadworthy truck. I did expect shorter rains of about 400 kilometers with the initial release, with more rains coming later. So absolutely stoked with the long-haul version coming straight off the cuff, I guess a bit like the Model 3. But I guess that if you predominantly do city haulage, a smaller battery pack would be available. Totally awesome event, the truck sells itself, diesel is history, and Tesla has just forced every car company to become dead or serious about electric cars. 
Sanity will prevail and clean cities are clearly in our future. Enjoy your break. Love your show. Thank you. Thank you so much for your perspective here, Eric. So it sounds like the thermonuclear-proof glass is a much more serious feature to the trucking industry than, uh, remember the example I brought up last week, (laughs) that bioweapon defense mode uh, was to the consumer car world. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear that that windshield matters to uh, the targeted customers, and it's not just a gimmick. Now, Eric also, in his call, got into a thought about the regenerative braking on the Tesla Semi and how that affects a semi-truck going downhill, but I had to cut his call for time. Eric, I love you, but uh, it was about a seven-minute call. But to, to sum up, Eric was basically wondering if there might be a variable regenerative braking system so that you could have more intense regen if the driver desires it, which is a, a really interesting thought. And again, from Eric's perspective, that's something to, to really keep in mind. So thank you again, Eric. Great call. Love hearing uh, the perspective of someone in that industry. All right. A couple more quick stories this week. Uh, the first is that Tesla shipped a new product, and they did so very, very quietly. I hadn't even heard about this until... Uh, I managed to catch wind of it on one of the Business Wire sites. Their new device is called the Tesla Power Bank, and it's a you know cell phone slash portable device charger. It has a single 18650 cell in it. It's the very same cells that are in the Model S and the Model X, but as you'll remember, not the Model 3. The Model 3 uses the 2170s. And this, the Power Bank, has a 3,350 milliamp hour capacity in it. So that's good to recharge your phone or your iPad or uh, whatever device you may uh, need to juice back up on the go. It has a built-in lightning cable for Apple usage, built-in USB and uh, micro USB. So it's pretty much got everything built into it for whatever device you may be looking to recharge. And it's got, you know, it's got a very nice, it definitely has a Tesla look to it. Uh, so if you're, this, this could definitely be a good gift for your, well, for you, for, for you guys. So maybe drop some hints to your family members that, hey, this, hey, look, it's a Tesla that you can afford right here, right now. It's $45 and you can get it on shop.tesla.com, which, was te- which is Tesla's official online store. Although when I, uh, recorded this show, which I prepared it on Thanksgiving and then I'm recording on uh, Friday here, it's already showing as out of stock on the Tesla store. So I would just check back in on that maybe every, even every day. If you're, if you're hot to get one, I would keep checking back on that on a regular basis to see uh, if you can snag one when they come back into stock. And finally this week, the very first couple of deluxe supercharging stations are now open. They're out here on the West Coast. And if you happen to be driving between either uh, San Francisco and LA or between LA and Vegas, you should uh, maybe make a point to, to stop at one and check it out. So on the SF to LA run, you can stop in at Kettleman City, where you've got 40 supercharger stalls, as well as a lounge And that lounge has a Tesla solar kiosk inside it. If you uh, are curious to learn more about that, maybe just to bide the time while you charge a little bit. There's coffee in there for you. 
uh, and then just some you know places to sit and relax. So it is owners only. You have to get you can't get in without a key code that uh, will be pushed to your car's dashboard uh, as you uh, presumably as you plug in at either maybe either you either get near it or when you when you actually plug in to one of those 40 stalls. So the other one uh, is again on the LA to Vegas route and it's in Baker. So if you happen to be uh, passing through there, one of those places over the holidays, maybe do uh, do check that out and see what see what uh, the future of Tesla supercharging looks like. All right, again, I uh, teased it earlier, but uh, it is now arrived. Plenty of ride the lightning hotline calls, excellent calls coming up here right after this. All right, time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. It is your time to shine here on the podcast with your questions, your comments, your discussion topics that we can get into here and uh, talk amongst ourselves. (laughs) So if you would like to participate in this, I very much encourage you to do so. You can uh, simply record a question on the voice recorder built into your smartphone and then email me that file. My email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or if it's easier for you, just dial up the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's toll free. You just call in and you leave a message. It's that simple. And that toll free number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Please visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. I thank them for supplying the Ride the Lightning hotline. Let's kick it off with Diego in Indiana, who wants to talk next-gen Roadster. What else? Go ahead, Diego. Hi, uh, this is Diego from Indiana, and I was calling to bring up a comment or a discussion topic about um, the Roadster. So I noticed that Elon didn't show off the frunk in the uh, unveiling event, and I was wondering if uh, that's actually how they managed to fit in all of the battery packs, because it's a 200-kilowatt-hour battery pack. So I don't know. Just wanted to hear if you had any thoughts on that, and uh, love the show. Um, Daisy is great. See ya. Great to hear from you, Diego. Now, as I mentioned earlier in the show in response to the first phone call uh, I played uh, on, the, on the air this week, I think the Roadster is packing a, uh, a double cheeseburger <laughs> of battery packs. For all you West Coast folks, in and out fellow In-N-Out Burger fans, a double-double of battery packs. Now, uh, it is certainly possible that there are batteries in the front. You are not the first person to uh, suggest that possibility. But given Elon's comments uh, about th- this sort of specific topic that I played last week, and, and those topic, that comment being uh, the Roadster being a quote-unquote real car, that to me, in my mind, suggests that Elon wouldn't consider a car whose frunk is filled with batteries to be a real car. So uh, just my two cents there. I think, personally, I believe that all 200 kilowatt hours 
are in the floor pan. I just think we've got a, a, a double battery burger going on down there. Next up is Alonzo from Washington, D.C. He uh, wants to talk semi and roadster as well in response to last week. Uh, and I, I want to note, too, that uh, just a shout out Christian from L.A. called in later uh, with nearly the exact same question here. So just uh, I'm not going to play both calls, but shout out to Christian. Let's hear from Alonzo in D.C. Hey, Ryan, it's Alonzo from D.C., and I just wanted to give my thoughts on last night's uh, semi-truck reveal event. It seems like um, it was a little bit boring. Don't know what the audience for the semi-truck was, but um, the big reveal of the Tesla Roadster was pretty epic. And the battery and range that these cars can go to now. So I was wondering if uh, we should be expecting that maybe the current car should be able to go 300 miles per charge standard. Um, just want to get your thoughts. Thanks. You bring up an interesting discussion topic here, Alonzo, and I'll say this. I think you're right. The Model 3 will continue to start at 220 miles of range for a while just because I think it has to in order to hit its price objective. But I do think that that's going to creep up over time as battery costs come down and standards evolve uh, technology improves, you know, like say maybe in two years from now, I could see the standard model three having a 250 mile range battery. And the model three is already guiding us to your exact point. The 310 mile range of the long range model three, which may actually be more than that. Remember based on EPA testing, that range surprised almost all of us in a good way. I've said before that I can absolutely see a day in the not-too-distant future where the only Model S and X are 100 kilowatt-hour batteries on up so that the S and the X are only ever associated with 300-plus miles of range from here on out. I don't think it's going to be tomorrow, but I, I think it does seem like the Model 3's impressive long-range battery, plus the new Roadster's straight-up mind-boggling range suggests that the bar is indeed, pardon me, is indeed being raised by Tesla. But I don't think any Tesla, any other Tesla, is going to be touching that 600-plus mile range anytime soon. And the reason is the Roadster is a halo car. It is the no-holds-barred Spend no expense <laughs> version. The you know it, the the road the roadster is Tesla showing off. It is everything with no you know no worries about price or anything or production or anything else. It is the let it rip version uh, uh, of Tesla. So I think six hundred is gonna is gonna be. Uh, is going to be the stratosphere reserved exclusively for the for the 2020 Roadster for a while. But yes, over time, I do think we're we're going to see, and as I said, I think we're already seeing to an extent the the raising of the bar for for range. Okay, uh, chill mode. You'll remember I talked about that last week. It's a new feature added in to all Tesla vehicles. Here's Christina from Wisconsin calling in uh, with just a different perspective on what chill mode is actually for. So, Christina, you're on the air. 
Hello, Ryan. This is Christina from Elkhorn, Wisconsin. I wanted to make a comment about the chill mode that you discussed in your last podcast. In the podcast, you seemed to imply that the chill mode was more for people who wanted to make a smooth start from a complete stop rather than rapid acceleration. I really don't think this is the case. I think this has more to do with Tesla wanting to improve the winter handling characteristics of their vehicles. I know from personal experience that the last thing you want to do while driving on a snow-covered road is to apply 100% power to the wheels. If you try to start from a complete stop while gunning it on ice or on snow, you will go nowhere fast. So having a mode that would apply significantly less power to the wheels at low speeds would be very beneficial in the snow. It would not surprise me if chill mode was specifically requested from northern countries like Norway and Canada and also from the northern states in the U.S. Tesla would not be the first automobile manufacturer to have a mode like this. For example, some models of Saab automobiles, which were made in Sweden, had a snow gear. That was there for, it was there for the same purpose. Anyway, I've really enjoyed your podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank you for the call, Christina, and thank you for your perspective here because I agree that that makes perfect sense. In fact, it would be so very Tesla of Tesla to give something a name that has a double meaning to it. Uh, chill meaning chill out on your hard acceleration, but also chill as in this is for chilly weather conditions. It makes a ton of sense. And it's something that a California person like me wouldn't necessarily think about. So uh, thank you for reminding me to try not to think quite so California all the time. But uh, I think, I think it, makes, it makes a ton of sense, Christina. Thank you so much for that call. Uh, here's now two folks on the same topic here. Uh, I'm going to play Ryan from Denver, but also a shout out to uh, Grant from Minneapolis as well. So both of them want to talk about wireless charging, that center console on the Model 3. So Ryan, go ahead. Hey Ryan, it's Ryan from Denver. So as I record this, it is about two hours before the semi-truck unveiling, and I'm super excited for that. So maybe I've got Tesla on the brain or something, but I've just been thinking, you know, how in a previous episode, you said that the Model 3 does not support wireless phone charging it just has USB ports for cables. And I'm thinking, you know, there are wireless charging pads that plug into USB ports. Why couldn't we just buy one of those and put them in our Model 3? And is there a reason why that couldn't work? Anyway, love to hear from you. Thanks, bye. Well, Ryan and Grant are clearly, uh, it's a great minds thinking alike. Both of them had uh, nearly the, the same thought and question there. So uh, now to get to the question, I suppose... You probably could retrofit a Qi wireless pad in there pretty cleanly. I mean, you, you've got a distinct shape. It's a decent size. In fact, it's big enough for two, two smartphones. In fact, I would say if Abstract Ocean or some other entrepreneuring Tesla fan is out there listening to this or thinking about it, you might want to try and make a Qi pad that's, that's sized exactly to the Model 3's center console because tell you, if you do a good job and you can be first to market with it, that person stands to potentially sell a whole lot of units just for no other reason than given the intended production 
of Model 3. You know, even if a, a, if a small percentage of, of uh, people buy a, uh, your aftermarket Qi Model 3 wireless acce- uh, charging accessory, you got a car that's, you got three, 400,000 of them being made a year. If 1% of those people buy the product, you're, <laughs> you've got a successful product on your hands. Next up, Bob and Austin, uh, we are running out of time uh, on uh, the whole federal tax credit. What's it going to look like for 2018? Is it going to exist at all? But Bob and Austin, if you, if you are still uh, thinking about contacting your elected representatives to voice your displeasure or opposition to uh, eliminating the, the electric vehicle tax credit, Bob from Austin has a very constructive thought on, on uh, how you can go about doing that. So, Bob, go ahead. Hello, this is Bob from Austin. I have a comment on your suggestion that we contact our congressmen to ask them about considering not ending the rebate program early. I suggest that when we contact our congresspeople that we do so not with the thought of what's in it for me, but what's in it for all of us. This program, which already has a sunset provision in the near future, when manufacturers reach their 200,000 limit, was designed to move us into a future with less pollution, of safer cars, and a technology that employs people in the products of the future. It is good for us. It is good for the environment. It is good for technology. It is good for employment in this country. And the small investment that we're making will significantly return benefits to this country and to the world. It's a good reason that this program was started, and it's a good reason that it should be continued as it was originally intended. Many people and companies have made their plans and made their decisions based on a good faith belief that this law would continue as it was designed. And I think instead of calling and saying, I wish I could have my rebate, I would rather call and say, I wish the people who have planned on it could have their rebate because what they're doing is good for us. I remember before we purchased our first Tesla, we thought, what a wonderful thing we'll be able to do to do our small bit to help out the environment in U.S. manufacturing. And then when we rode the Tesla and saw what a magical car it was, that pretty well sealed the deal for us. So just a thought on when you call your congressman of how to approach it. Thank you. Nothing but great points here, Bob. In fact, I have nothing to add. This is one of those calls where I just wanted to play it so that everybody hears it. So I, I humbly suggest that, uh, folks, if, you're, if you are going to contact your, your elected officials, hit on some of Bob's points. If not, just straight up take everything he said and, and repeat it because uh, he makes a lot of good you know, fair, balanced, and uh, sort of constructive, calm, respectful points there. Thank you so much, Bob. Next up, uh, was it, I guess two shows ago now, I was talking, when I was talking about my Model 3 test drive that I was so fortunate to be able to take, and I, I uh, maybe lingered a little too long on the point about uh, how, about that I got a little emotional driving the Model 3 and finally being behind the wheel. DJ from North Central Ohio, who's a longtime listener, haven't heard from him on the air here in a little while, but he says that I might not be alone 
in feeling that way. So, DJ, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. DJ, lovely North Central Ohio DJ call. I literally just listened to your comment about getting a little emotional over driving Model 3, and I just wanted to call and say, you're definitely not alone. Um, last night, actually, ironically, um, I had the same feeling about my Model S. Um, I had the moment of realization that I've owned this car for about four months now, and never in my wildest dreams did I believe I would own a Model S, and yet here I was sitting in my Model S, last night thinking about this very topic and i'm sure if the rest of your listeners out there or anything like you and me are it will be a bit of an emotional moment for them as well to be able to drive a model 3 or their own model 3s when they actually finally get a chance to get them um if you think about just the fact of how long have we just heard about this car let alone actually be able to sit in one and drive one when that's been your goal for, you know, multiple years of your life. So anyway, just thought I'd throw that out there, kind of a little bit of camaraderie uh, with, with you and the other folks out there. Not weird, perfectly normal. Have a good one, Ryan. I appreciate the call, DJ, and I, and I certainly appreciate the camaraderie on this. Uh, I'm glad that I'm not the only one to whom this this genuinely means so much to. And and I'm thrilled to hear that you are loving your Model S. That makes me so happy. You and I have talked before. And in fact, you've just reminded me that, that this isn't the first time that this has even happened to me with Tesla, though this was definitely the most direct emotional connection uh, since I you know was actually behind the wheel and this is the car that I'm actually buying. And uh, I'll tell you about it. It's, I remember, it's June of 2012, I was watching the Model S launch event from the uh, then new to Tesla, Tesla factory in Fremont, where they, uh, if, you, if you remember, if you were following Tesla back then, they handed off a bunch of the Founder Series cars, and they did it right inside the factory, right at the end of the production line, right next to the indoor test track that they don't use anymore. Uh, all the employees were lined up on either side uh, of, of sort of a makeshift road in the building. And the cars, as they would be handed off to their owners, were literally were driven out of the factory. And that was the birth of these cars going out into the world. And it was, it was really awesome to watch. And, and that, that moment hit me too. I remember I was, I was actually at work watching it because it happened in the middle of the afternoon. And, and again, that, that moment hit me because Tesla had actually done it. They'd, you know, I'd been following them since the Roadster and they'd actually succeeded in building their own car. And, and I'll say too, I, you know, the other times where I've, I've gotten swept up in the moment too were, were the other two big events that I was lucky enough to go to, the Model X delivery event I was so moved that night by the just the energy in the room and listening to Elon speak. It was it was really awesome. And then uh, the other one th- that I was very much swept up in was the Model Three reveal event that I was so so fortunate to get to go to because again, seeing the cars roll out onto the stage and seeing the car that had existed in my mind for what at that time was seven years. And seeing that car become real 
was just really, really special to me. And I'll tell you, final point on this before I move on to the next couple calls. I confess that I, maybe some of you do this, maybe I'm the only nutcase that does it, but I often daydream about the day that I take delivery of my Model 3, uh, which I, as I've said before, I fully intend to do over in Fremont um, at the factory since I'm lucky to, to live close. I daydream about that day a lot. And I wonder if I'll get really emotional on that day or if I'll just be so filled with adrenaline and excitement to that I won't really well up at all that if I'll just be just bouncing off the walls. I'm not sure, but I look forward to that day. And I, I think about it a lot, and that's that's gonna be a really, really good day. All right, let's keep moving here. A few more calls. In fact, uh, one more, in fact. We'll go. This is, again, another, another two people that were just very much on the same, same wave, uh, wavelength. My goodness. So uh, let me give a shout-out to Steve in Tokyo. But I'm going to play Frank in Norway's call. Uh, both of these gentlemen coming to the exact same thought about uh, my criticism uh, from my Model 3 test drive about those sort of little things that bothered me about the car, that things that, if not, maybe not even bother, annoyed me about the Model 3. So, uh, Steve from Tokyo, thank you so much for calling in, but here is Frank from Norway. Frank, go ahead. Hello, uh, this is Frank from Norway again, my second call. You said in uh, uh, the last show uh, that your least favorite thing about the Model 3 was uh, the little things, like no physical button to adjust side mirrors and things like that. Uh, I think I know the reason. It's not just aesthetics in the cabin or a lower price. I think also no physical buttons are the um, most compatible design uh, with uh, immediate future. And that is due to the artificial intelligence revolution and that the voice control, both uh, text, uh, voice recognition and logic will be greatly improved the next years. And so uh, I think that the expected and made main interface uh, for the user in, in any car will be voice. So instead of uh, looking for a button to adjust the side mirrors, you just tell the car, Optimus Prime, can you adjust the left side mirror two degrees down, please? Or maybe uh, using the internal camera in the Model 3, uh, the, the artificial intelligence can um, calculate angles and adjust the mirrors for you. Uh, anyway, uh, this again shows how uh, forward-looking uh, uh, Elon Musk and his team is. They are not one, but usually ten steps ahead of everyone else, especially the legacy auto industry. Thanks for a great show. Gentlemen, thank you both for the calls, Frank and Steve. And uh, Frank, I really like the slightly more ambitious thought that you put out there which is that the car could read your face and seating position, your eyes, using that Model 3 cabin camera, that interior-facing camera, and adjust the side-view mirrors based off of that. 
I have no idea how realistic that is, but it sounds plausible to me in this day and age. Uh, now, I mean, using voice control to adjust the mirrors sounds a little cumbersome to me, but I suppose it's certainly doable. Um, one thing that the uh, near complete lack of interior knobs and buttons does is simplify manufacturing for when Tesla needs to build, eventually build right-hand drive Model 3s. That just makes the process all that much easier when you we just don't have as much stuff to have to port over to the other side of the car. Uh, I mean, it, it still, again, it still annoyed me on my first impression, but if and when Tesla follows through on Elon's idea that your, remember his idea that your Tesla profile, your driver settings will follow you from car to car via the cloud, you'd really only ever have to worry about setting all of your mirror positions and seating preferences one time, and then they would follow you into any Tesla that you happen to ever get behind the wheel of. So good stuff there. In fact, by the way, uh, just a a quick little point on that that interior-facing camera on the Model 3. The Model 3 owner's manual made its way online this week, and I I, I have it downloaded, and I just... I haven't read the whole thing yet, but it's just flipping through. There is a page dedicated to that. They call it a cabin camera. And it's what's funny about it is they basically straight up like Wizard of Oz, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. That thing that they're just basically like, hey, there's a cabin camera in here uh, and we might use it for some stuff someday, but it's not on right now. So don't worry about it. <laughs> that's, that's basically what it says. And I just thought... I thought it was kind of funny, but uh, in any case. Thank you so much, everybody, for your excellent Ride the Lightning hotline calls. Again, please keep them coming. I love this part of the show. You can either uh, record your question into the voice memo recorder on your smartphone and then email the file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can call the toll-free Ride the Lightning hotline number, which is one 1- 888-989-8752. Be right back to wrap things up with some parting thoughts right after this. All right, you can always follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Again, the email address for the show is teslapodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, uh, if you get a lot out of it, it's, uh, if it is of use, of entertainment to you, perhaps consider backing me on Patreon. It's all totally optional. As you all know, the show continues to happen. Uh, it's uh, purely a if-you-would-like-to basis, but uh, take a look at the Patreon page. That's all I really ask. It's patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon.com slash Podcast. I want to thank the very kind folks who support me on Patreon at the $20 per month level or higher. And those folks, uh, actually, I'll I'll shout out the newest one, our newest Patreon producer, Lars Hoffman. Thank you so much, Lars. And Lars is joined uh, in that group by Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas, Alexi Heft, Lisa Kaz, Michael O'Prey, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Vince Vaughn, John Lasher, 
Harold Plug, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellet, Andreas Cohen, Sean Fournier, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenshine, and Lee Sweet. Thank you all so, so much for your support on Patreon. It really, really does mean the world to me. Uh, Abstract Ocean. Uh, I mentioned them last week. Apparently, the, the, the Tesla, various Tesla logo puddle lights, the T logo, the 3 logo, the S logo, the X logo. Uh, evidently, they went very quickly, and, uh, but I think, I think they've got some more. They reached out to me to let me know that they were a hot item. So uh, if you are purchasing Tesla accessories for you or your car, such as those puddle lights, which I think are pretty cool, Remember, you can, as a, as a listener of this show, you can get 20% off of your order. So it's abstractocean.com, and the coupon code is all one word, and it's RTL Podcast. So that's, uh, that's good for 20% off there. You heard me talking earlier in the show about the, uh, my own sort of personal suggestions for a Model 3 pre delivery checklist. Uh, if you are in the Bay Area or just Northern California in general, or you're taking factory delivery of your car uh, and you want to do the paint protection film or the paint correction or the C-Quartz finest uh, you know, ceramic coating to help protect the paint, any or all of that stuff, do check out Immaculate Reflections. They are located not too far from the Tesla factory. They do all that stuff. Uh, they do a lot of Teslas. Uh, the, the proprietor is a big-time Tesla fan. That's why he reached out to me uh, to, uh, to talk about this. So the website, I, uh, pardon me, IR, the letters irdetailing.com. You can also look them up on Yelp and Instagram at immaculate underscore reflections. With 16 years of experience, Immaculate Reflections is the Bay Area's premier detailing solution. If you're buying a Tesla, uh, meaning specifically an S or an X, the referral code Please use it because it still gets you something good, which is free unlimited lifetime supercharging, which is otherwise not available anymore. Please use my cousin Pat's code, my cousin Pat in Arizona. It's, uh, so put this into your browser, ts.la slash Patrick5008. That's ts.la slash Patrick5008. Uh, anything else? Uh, if you are not already subscribing to the podcast, that's a just click that button in whatever podcast service you're using because then the show gets automatically downloaded to you. You do not have to seek it out. Instead, it will seek you out. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or uh, there are individual show downloads or the RSS feed available on the hosting website. You can head over there. It's teslapodcast.libsyn L-I-B-S-Y-N teslapodcast.libsyn.com Alright, I've got one last day of vacation that I want to get back out to here. Uh, happy to get the show up. Hope everybody is having a wonderful start to their holiday season. Stay safe. Drive safely. Uh, happy electric motoring if you are in fact driving electric or if like me you're waiting. Well, you know, May the wait be short for all of us. Hopefully Tesla can get these cars cranked out. Uh, but it is so great to see that, that the, the dam may finally be bursting as far as uh, Model 3 production. I, I'm very, very curious to, 
see how the next 30, well, really the next 35 or so days goes to finish out 2017. And then we've been promised an update on Model 3 production in early January. That, was, that promise was made by Elon on the last conference call. So uh, the, it, it is finally happening. The Model 3 is rolling out of the Tesla factory in Fremont. And, I'm, and again, I'll just, uh, one last reminder too. If you do take delivery, again, I, I would love to get a call from you on the Ride the Lightning hotline. I'd love to hear from you. I wanna, again, I want all of us to collectively share in your joy and your enthusiasm and your excitement. I think it's gonna help all of us as we continue to wait for our name to be called and for our cars to be delivered. And it's just, it's just nice. I mean, that's this, this podcast, the number one thing I love about it, above all else, is the positivity. This, you know, I, I work in the video game world, and unfortunately, you would think video games, it's a hobby, it's a fun thing. You'd think, man, people must just have fun talking to each other on the internet about video games all the time. You would think that, but you would be unfortunately very mistaken. The video game world is full of such, it's not full of, but let's put it this way. It is, it is uh, marred by some just unfathomably toxic uh, discourse that is, again, it just makes no sense. And that's why this podcast, this tiny, humble, little, little pixel corner in the corner of the internet that we have here, it's, I, I, everyone that calls in, that writes in, that tweets me about the podcast, everybody's so positive. And I just, I love that. That's what the world, that's what the, the internet should be. That's what, I mean, that's just, that, this, is, this is an enthusiast. I mean, I am, I am a, by trade, an, an enthusiast media professional. That's my job. I'm not an investigative reporter. I have a journalism degree, but what I do is enthusiast media. I do it by day and uh, I do it by night here on this podcast. And it just, the, the, the enthusiasm and positivity that, that I get reflected back at me by you guys, it, it genuinely fuels me and it makes me feel so good. So as, you, as those of you who are getting your Model 3s soon, get them. Boy, I'd love to hear from you. You know, I, I'd love to hear from you so we can all share in that. Uh, I, one thing, one humble request. I'd be curious if you can note, if you do call me, if you get your car and you call me, tell me, I don't know, I guess it's probably not a privacy thing. I, I would be curious if you're willing to share what car you're coming from. If you're coming from another Tesla or, I mean, I, I guess... I guess those of you who would be getting them first would already have Teslas because that's who has priority right now. But nevertheless, I, I'd be curious what car you're coming from to, to sort of give a little context and perspective to your reactions to the Model 3. Like if you, if you, are, if you do have an S or an X, like what do you think of the 3 in comparison to those? And if you don't have an S or an X already, what do you think of the Model 3? So anyway, uh, I'm getting really, really long-winded at this point, um, but... You know, I guess if you stuck around, I, I suppose some, some people probably turn the podcast off after the, uh, 
after the hotline because they don't want to listen to the plugs and stuff, which is fine. That's actually that's exactly why I put them at the end in case you know I want to make it as convenient and and uh, uh, I want to be as respectful of everyone as possible. But I suppose if you did make it this far this week, you got a uh, like a nine minute diatribe on on uh, on how much I enjoy the Tesla community and and specifically the Ride the Lightning community. So. Seriously, thank you all so, so much. Uh, I wish you a happy holiday season as it gets underway here. I'll be back home for the regular show next week. Uh, We'll see what happens because, as we know, it's almost never quiet in the world of Tesla. And that's a really, really good, fun thing. So keep your calls coming. Thank you for listening. Happy electric motoring. And I'll see you next week.